What's up, y'all, and welcome into the Jack Vita Show. I'm your host, Jack Vita, and we have a great episode here today. As you can see, I have a very special guest to the left of me here on my screen. Uh, we'll get to him in a second. Um, greetings to those who are watching our video feed and those who are listening to our audio podcast. Uh, a lot of sports to be talked about today. We got the U.S. Open. It's all about baseball. Great weekend here. Um, and then we're going to talk a little bit of Bachelor, Bachelorette world, because uh, this man was on The Bachelorette. We talked last week with Dario Medrano from The Challenge and MTV's Are You The One? It was a fun time with him. And I'm sure we'll have a great episode out next week with the guest TBD. Uh, maybe I can find some more people from your world, Garrett. But uh, we're now being joined by Garrett Powell. Uh, he was on the Bachelorette Hannah Brown season. He joined us a month ago. And uh, by the way, Garrett, I, I must thank you. Your podcast episode was far and away the most downloaded episode this show's ever had. Um, <laughs> so yeah, thanks for being here. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. It's uh, ha happy to hear it, man. Happy to see uh, your success climbing too. That's awesome. Yeah. And then I was able to link up with Jordan uh, your boy, and he came on here, and man, he is—he's hilarious. He's great. Yeah, he's a good dude, man. He's awesome. I love Jordan a lot. He's cool. Yeah, and so uh, hopefully we'll find some more guys from your world, and maybe they'll come on here. But uh, yeah, so uh, as also people should know, you are a golf pro. One of the listener questions—we'll do listener questions at the end here—but one that I got was how what what struck your passion for golf. Um, so story, I'll, I'll try to keep it short. The story is that uh, I played as a kid, just like we, we didn't come from the most financially like well-off family, but, um, something dad always liked to do on father's day. Thanks dad. Um, would take <laughs> us out like once every two or three months to this, we call it a goat track. It's Oak mountain state park. It's a state park owned golf course. It's really not that bad. Um, Man, we get the earliest tea time, we'd go play, we'd hack it up. And, you know, it really kind of stuck with me. What he always said was, like, golf is so great because most people make the argument of you can play your whole life. But he was always like, what's well, the one of the few times you can get, like, alone time with God with no mm -hmm. noise, nothing. And it stuck with me. And so in high school, you know, I always wanted to be good at golf. I wasn't any good at golf, but I tried out for the golf team. Cause I wanted to skip baseball practices my uh, junior year and made it skip like seven or eight practices played again, senior year and, uh, uh, actually pursued football at the university of South Alabama, my freshman year of college, um, lied my way into a golf scholarship at Wall state community college, <laughs> basically told the guy I was a scratch handy, zero handicap for those who don't know. Um, I was actually like 13 or 14. And so meaning that I was actually shooting like 90, but I told the guy I was just shooting like 72 and I went out and just played lights out and he offered me a full ride to uh, that community college to play golf. And then, and this is the way God works, man. It's crazy. So the director of the PGA golf management program at Mississippi state used to be a recruit of the coach that I played for at Wallace state. And so got linked up there and, uh, yeah, I got my PGA card in 2016. I've been in pro ever since then. So it's awesome. I've always, I've always loved sports. You know, I was one of those kids who grew up, had looked at a list of careers. And I was like, I don't want to do any of this. So like, 
what are my options? I don't want to do communications. I don't want to be a physical therapist. Like what, like I just want to play sports. And so it's, it's a perfect career for me. So yeah, I hope I kept that short enough. No, yeah, no, you did a good job. And for those who want a deeper dive on that, we did talk about that the last time you were here, we talked about your golf and your football uh, and we talked NFL draft and lots of, lots of sports in that one, but also, uh, your testimony and your faith. And we also talked about your time on The Bachelor. So if people are just finding this podcast and you want to hear Garrett go into greater detail on those things, uh, go back and check it out. But Garrett, I was just like you. I was an ADD type of kid and I love sports. I was horrible at school. And I, I knew at a certain point I wasn't going to be good enough to play professionally. So that's how I ended up here. It's like, this is uh, <laughs> this is the next best thing, just talking sports. Well, man, you got to... The way I chalk it up is, um, like, I was too good at basketball, so I had to quit early on. It was unfair to <laughs> everybody else. That's that's the way I chalk it up. You know, I'd be on the PGA Tour now, but I'd win every event. So that's why I just choose not to play, right? That's how you got that's That's, that's what, you, what you have to tell yourself, at least. <laughs> hey, that works, man. So uh, the U.S. Open this weekend, John Rahm has done it. He won his first major, uh, really great story here. The last tournament, for those that don't know, last tournament that he played in. Do you want you, Gary? Do you want to tell a story about the last tournament he was in? Yeah, he, um, man. First off, he was my pick. I just had this feeling that he was going to win. Yeah, I had this feeling that he was going to win. Um, so he was playing at Jack's tournament memorial. So those that don't know, it's like you have like your typical tour events. You have kind of like your lower end tour events and you have like your upper, upper echelon tour events. And Jack's uh, tournament is definitely like up there. It's not a major, but it's up there. It's one of those events that players really want, kind of like Arnold's event at the Hill. Players really want to win because of who the tournament sponsor is. So John Rahm, after 54 holes, after the third round, finds out that his, the, I believe the way it works is if you have taken the vaccine you do not have to get tested on a daily basis. If you have not, then you do have to get tested on a daily basis. So Rom, um, from my interpretation, did not take a vaccine. And he got tested, and, and his test went positive after the third round. And so they are like, hey. And he was, he was leading the tournament by six shots. And so they were like, hey, we know you're leading. This sucks, but you can't play tomorrow because you're COVID positive. Got to go in quarantine. Um, and he was asymptomatic, which um, is even more unfortunate because he wasn't even feeling bad. And studies have shown recently that you can't even really spread COVID if you're asymptomatic. But the tour policy being what it is, he had to withdraw. Um, and the great thing about this is John handled that so well. I would have been a big baby about it. And John just handled it with flying colors. And so... You know, you just, you know, I'm a Christian, but I got to think karma is kind of a thing. And so with him winning today, I mean, it's it's pretty incredible. I mean, it was the ultimate motivator. If you are about to win something and you just get taken away, I mean, that is a, the mark of a strong man right there to just yeah. man up, sack up, go right back out there and say, I'm, I'm going to win this thing. And he did. It was really fun to watch. Yeah, it was awesome, man. And I mean, just his history at that golf course. I, I knew his his first win was in I think it was in 2017 there. Um, 
he made like a bomb of an eagle putt from the back of the green. And if if you watch golf, you know that golf course. Torrey Pines. Yeah, you know all the golf courses, but especially Torrey Pines, they play there every year. And that's where Tiger made his um, last U.S. Open win. But that is a hellacious putt from the back of the green. And he made that in 2017 to win. And then today, the putt that he had to make on 18 – I'm, you just I had a feeling that he was just going to drain it just because it's like, all right, the stars are kind of lining up. Again, there's today, there's 2017, and I didn't know this. I found this out in the broadcast. He actually proposed to his wife um, at that golf course wow. years ago. So that course has, like, so much meaning to him, so it makes even more sense that he won, too. But what a good story. You're right. It's just kind of like the guy made zero excuses. He did not, like, cry in his Cheerios. He was just like, okay, I have to move on from this. And props to him, man. It was awesome. Yeah, I think it's it's a great life lesson for anybody that's going through, you know, if you if you face a similar set of circumstances, and Lord knows we all have, where we feel like something's been taken away from us, and to not make any excuses about it, just go out and get it. Yeah. Yeah. Get after it. That's the only I think uh a good way to look at it is the only things you have control over are your actions and your mindset towards those actions. And, you know, you showed, Hey, had no control over that, but I'm going to control what I can control. So it was cool. Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad you brought up Torrey Pines and the last U S open that was at Torrey Pines. That is the most memorable tournament. I feel like from my life, at least as a kid. So I was, let's see, 2008, I just graduated eighth grade. And that tournament, I was, I'm Italian American, uh, part Italian. And so Rocco Mediate, I was pumped for him to see this Italian American out there just kicking butt. Um, but then Tiger comes roaring back and I believe he did it on the torn ACL. He had a bad knee. I think it was an ACL. And that was the last tournament that he had won. Uh, the other thing that was really notable about that tournament is due to the course rules, when they tied on Sunday, they had to play a playoff, which was a full round of golf on Monday. And I think a lot of people may have forgotten that. So I was watching for that today. I was like, man, are Garrett and I going to be talking about uh, this is an inconclusive U.S. Open and we'll see what happens tomorrow? <laughs> yeah, it's um, the USGA is the only golf organization that does that. They do a full 18-hole playoff, and I, I think – I, I love some death. That's like yeah. what the Masters does. That's how you see the most action. But yeah, I wondered the same thing until Louis Ustazen hooked his drive off 17. I mean, think about it. All he had to do was part of that hole, and he was probably going to be tied for the lead. But for the sake of the, the uh, podcast, it's a good <laughs> thing he did that. <laughs> well, I was, I was rooting for – I thought the best outcome we could have gotten was a – uh, Brooks Kepka, Bryson DeChambeau, playoff tomorrow, 1v1. Yeah. I mean, the ratings would be through the roof for that thing. Yeah, well, too bad Bryson was too busy shooting eight over on his last nine holes. But I, I kind of feel for the guy. They're going to, you know, people that don't fully understand the golf world and what the U.S. Open is really about are going to say that he choked. I'm going to say that that back nine that he shot eight over on, he probably hit. He probably had maybe two or three bad swings. That's it. So out of like, think about it. He shot what? Um, 44. 
so out of 44 strokes, only two or three were bad. And that's the thing. People are giving so much crap for it. But I'm actually a big Bryson fan. How do you feel about him? I think that Bryson and Kepko, whatever's going on here, is great for golf. And I'm not one. So a lot of times we talk about like in baseball, I feel like a talking point a lot of time is like, oh, man, that guy like flips his bat. He's great for the game. And I'm like, okay, like. I'm glad he's having fun, but I mean, I just don't think someone's going to tune into a game because they look at what angle a guy drops his bat at versus tossing his bat or whatever. Like, I think that's often played up a lot of times as they say, like, oh, this guy's great for the game or whatever. And it's like, okay, whatever. This is great for the game, though. These are two guys and they clearly do not like each other. And I think what's going to end up happening at some point if if it happens, I guess I feel like there's going to be a point where maybe they bury the hatchet a little bit, but they're still going to play it up for the ratings. They're still going to do it for social media. And what we could have here, if I make a reality TV reference, is a Johnny Bananas versus Wes Bergman from the challenge on, uh, the, <laughs> yeah. on the PGA Tour. Yeah, it's um, <laughs> kind of like what you posted, little Luke P, Garrett P, actually. <laughs> yeah. It, um, dude, I'm calling it. It's, it's going to happen in the Ryder Cup. They're, they're going to get paired together at some point. Oh, yeah. Um, kind of like to. what happened with Tiger and Phil, and I think it was like 04. But I also think now the conspiracy theorist in my own mind thinks that they're texting each other behind the scenes laughing about it because the tour plays $40 million of bonus money onto whoever has the biggest social media like awareness kind of thing. Oh, yeah. Or crowd. So... The conspiracy theorist thinks that they're just laughing to the bank behind the scenes. <laughs> but um, I also think that both of them have enough money, more than enough money. They don't really care about that. But if you were to pick Bryson or Brooks, I would pick Brooks because I love how he just does not give a crap. That's yeah. I just love it. But who would you pick? I think I'm also team Brooks uh, just because, I mean, Brooks has won a couple of these things. Has Bryson won a major yet? U.S. Open last year. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. 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 But it feels like, I mean, they both are, I mean, they both are around the same age. They've been rising stars for a little last few years. And uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know if I want to see them play golf or just face off in like a celebrity boxing ring. I mean, that would be pretty yeah. great too. Yeah, a lot of people don't know. So it, it's just in the golf world, polar opposite. So Brooks is what's called a field player. So Brooks goes out and just like he he he, he sees that he has one twenty left to the hole. He's like, okay, I'm just going to hit it one twenty. Does it? Bryson has a system. He's very scientific. So he has like a certain arm angle. He gets his arm too, so he can hit it one twenty. Bryson also was a very like uh, high profile junior golfer. Um, played in a lot of amateur events, you know, won the USAM, uh, won the NCAAs. So very like high profile. Brooks was not. Brooks is considered like a scrappy kind of grinder kind of guy. Went to Florida State, didn't do a whole lot there, went over to Europe, played in Europe forever and earned his tour status through his European tour status. And so two polar opposite people. Um, but, and with that being said, I'm, it's not like I don't like Bryson. I like Bryson. I actually love what right. he's doing for the game. Um, but it's just Brooks just not giving a crap is <laughs> the funniest thing ever. 
<laughs> and I mean, the thing with what your conspiracy you're saying here, and I, I think I'm with you to a certain degree. I mean, I think there could be something to that effect. Uh, we have to be careful about conspiracies. We don't want YouTube to shut us down here. But that's right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, uh, but the thing is, is like, I think that reaction that Kepka had was very genuine. That was leaked video. And they put that video out there because I knew it would make good content as it did. And it generated a lot of buzz over the last couple of weeks leading up to this. Um, but the Twitter stuff, like that looked like a couple guys who were just having some fun. Like that yeah. didn't seem like, like, yeah. So I, I think there's a little something there, but I do think they're playing it up to a little bit. Cause I know that, not only is it good for them, it is good for the sport, and it could put some money in their pockets. Yeah, and then, I mean, you're going to see it going because, again, now, um, after today, Brooks beat Bryson, right? And then Bryson, uh, the USGA talked to um, Bryson's agent about pairing the two in one of the two rounds, and Bryson declined. He was like, no, I don't want it. And so then you're just going to see this uh, you're going to see this theme right up and the kind of the boiling point is going to be, or the climax is going to be the Ryder Cup later on this year. I'm calling it and they're going to get paired together. It's going to be this whole big thing. And that's my so prediction at least. So it's basically going to be like the, the challenge rival seasons that they did where they pair the that's person it. with their rival. Yeah. Yep. Yep. <laughs> it's going to be it for sure, man. Oh, that would be that would make for a great golf tournament. Now, I don't know how many rivalries there really are. like. There are a lot of rivalries. There are probably guys we don't that don't like each other that we don't know about. But I mean, could you imagine we could have uh, Phil and Tiger together? They got to work together. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'm thinking about John Daly and anybody really. Or <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, Phil. Phil and Tiger are good now, but when they paired yeah. together in like 04, they did not like each other very much. And now it's funny because the biggest rivalries in golf, at least on, from the tour standpoint, um, comes from fast players versus slow players. Like a lot of people despise Kevin Na because he's a bad guy. But it takes him five and a half hours to play around the golf. <laughs> and so that's like a big issue on tour too. So um, it's good to have some, again, like, it's being hyped up, and it's cool to see. You're right. It's good for the game. It's good for both players. Um, but it's also good for people who aren't too familiar with golf to be like, oh, yeah, there's something going on I actually care about with golf now, right? I mean, most people check out once they hear that Tiger Woods isn't playing in a tournament. But now they're, like, staying tuned to see what happens. Yeah, it's creating some star power, as you're <laughs> talking about. My sister, uh, she's not a huge golf – I mean, she loves sports, but she – Two weeks ago, she didn't care about who these people were. But today, she was uh, avidly rooting for one and avidly rooting against the other. And it was pretty great because, uh, again, like two weeks ago th or a month ago, whenever that was, I mean, that was, uh, yeah, she didn't care about this. So it's definitely generating some buzz. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's hey, and, you know, we're, um, I, what's funny about it too is you're not just seeing it with, like, PGA viewership. You're seeing it in the golf industry in general. Like, Golf's a funny sport. It's it's one of those few sports where, like, if people think about it for half a second, they're going to consider doing it, right? And so even just planting that seed in people's minds, that, oh, hey, this is going on in the golf world, it gets people thinking about the game, which is good for, again, like, it's good for the business I'm in, but it's also good for the tour, 
It's good for golf clubs, stuff like that, which is awesome across the board. 100%. I love it. And I've been feeling that a little bit. It's like, I need to get out there and have a lesson and play a little more, but it's expensive. And I don't think it's in the budget this summer. Next summer I'm going, I'm going hard. I'm going all in. Hey man, save up, start at top, uh, top golf and go on YouTube, look up some things and then uh, come see me next summer. Yeah, absolutely. would love that. And, uh, I'll give you a chance to talk about your lessons. Why don't we do it now? So, uh, how can people, if I know you're doing the lessons now, uh, you're giving them out, people can book them on Instagram. Uh, how can, how can people find you with that? Yeah. So on my homepage, R Garrett P on Instagram, you can hit the book button and it brings up Pebblehurst, the golf shop that I work at with one of my good friends, Ron Smith, uh, the founder. Uh, you could come see me in person. If that's not, um, good for you if you live further away then on give goes app uh it's just give go it's a red uh red square with a white g in it and submit your golf swing to me i'll give you a little review and some tips and both of them pretty good options oh i love that that's great because i'm i know i put out a thing uh i was backing you up because again you did such a great job promoting this podcast so i was like i gotta help garrett out he's got one hundred fifty thousand followers i got 500 what can I do with my 500? <laughs> so I put it out there. I was like, get a, get a golf lesson for my buddy. And some people are like, I don't live in Alabama. I wish I did. Hey, hey, I appreciate it, man. It's, it's, <laughs> it's about all the eyes possible, right? It doesn't matter who does it. So I yeah. appreciate it. But yeah, GiveGo is a cool app that I've been using. I uh, partnered with a guy named Blair Wheeler. He's a guy you should follow if you like golf too. Um, but yeah, just give me your swing. I'll give you like a, it's what I like about it is that it's not like YouTube where you have to watch like a 20 minute video to learn one or two things. It's literally a 10 to 30 second clip that you get to keep. And we focus on one thing and that way you're not overwhelmed with you know, a lot of golf instruction. You get so overwhelmed by what they want you to do. We keep it simple. So that's why I like it. That's sweet. Yeah. I, I do play a little bit. I played a few weeks ago. And that was when I knew that this was not going to be the summer of golf for Jack. I was on the, I think it was the seventh hole and I swung my five wood. And this was a big Bertha from like, probably like a 2003 Callaway model for those yeah. who don't know, a classic club. And I bought it used at golf galaxy, uh, probably in like 2008. So it was a really old club, uh, got it cheap. Well, anyway, the reason why I say was is because when I uh, swung into that golf ball, I hit it right on the screws and the club head went flying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, sounds about right, man. I mean, that club is older <laughs> than uh, a lot of people that are going to be listening to this. So. <laughs> I mean, hey, it might be time to get a new one, man. Oh, 100%. Yeah, absolutely. So. You mentioned Tiger and how big a draw Tiger is. Obviously, we all know that. And there's no Tiger this year. Um, one guy who was on my radar entering today that I was really excited about, had a great showing, and that's Rory McIlroy. For those that might not remember, uh, Tiger, he won that U.S. Open in 2008. He came back from the knee injury and then had some off-the-course problems, and he really started to enter into that funk in the early 2010s. And there was questions around like who could be the next star to carry the sport. And Rory stepped in there for a few years and was unbelievable. I mean, he, the Tiger Woods golf video game was Rory McIlroy golf 
for one year. It was, I think it was 2014. Um, and then Rory had the ankle injury in 2015. And now ever since then, he hasn't won a major. Um, and not to say that the ankle injury is the reason why, but this was, I mean, this felt like the best I had seen Rory play in one of these majors in a long time. Yeah, he played really well, man. Um, he was up there for a good bit. And, I mean, in 2012, when he won the U.S. Open at Congressional and then won the PGA at Kiowa, that was the best golf I've ever seen. Um, and he was – and I never witnessed Tiger in 2000, but I got to imagine it was pretty dang close. Um, but he's right there, man. I just – I think he just tweaks a couple of things with his swing. Um, makes it a little more consistent. He'll be there a little more often. Like he plays a draw. So for those who don't know, if you're a right-handed golfer, the ball starts out to the right and then curves back towards you. So it curves from right to left. Problem with the draw is it can kind of, it goes further, but can kind of be very inconsistent with how much the ball actually curves. Meanwhile, a cut, which the ball curves the other way, tends to be a little more predictable. And Rory has oftentimes you see guys switch to a draw that need more distance, but Rory hits in a mile and a half already. Kind of what Dustin Johnson did. Dustin Johnson switched from a draw to a cut and he started winning left and right. And I just think, you know, maybe I'm biased. I am biased because I play a cut. But if Rory started kind of gravitating more to cut, he'd be kind of in that winner circle, at least be close a little more often. But you're right, man. He's a, he's a good player to carry the sport while Tiger's gone. But we got a lot of good players, too. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, I was thinking back to like almost 10 years ago now. And now now there are a lot of guys. I mean, you got this Kepka thing. You got DeChambeau. You got DJ. You got uh, a number of them. But one guy who was really a great, great golfer for several years, uh, but really been in a funk the last couple of years, didn't make the make it into the tournament. Uh, I was going to say didn't make the cut, but he didn't even make it in the U.S. Open. That's Ricky Fowler. What's going on with my guy, Ricky? I don't know, man. It's, um, I think, you know, especially in golf, um, complacency in golf and in life, when you're complacent, um, it's very tough thing to get over. And, you know, you got to think about it too, at that level. Now, you know, I play in professional events, but they're PJ professional in my PJ section events i can get complacent and still win at that level which is miles above where we are complacency kills and i just think you know i obviously i don't know ricky his swing looks great to me he's, he's got the pe- best putty stroke in the game you can't help but think maybe he just got complacent where he was and then you know as these tournaments progress and he finds out oh well i'm no longer in the top 50 world golf rankings i don't have qual- qualifications for these tournaments He's kind of like, okay, well, now it's time to start like working hard at it again. So I think, I think next year he'll be back. I think maybe he just got complacent for a little bit. Um, otherwise, I don't really know. I mean, it's hard to say because everything looks good, right? You look at his swing, he's peering it. You know, he might shoot like four under after two days, but the cut happens to be a five under. So it's like, well, you play good golf, it's just not good enough, kind of thing. It's weird. Yeah, I mean, it could be the fact that he's always a bridesmaid, never a bride. Just he's always right there and he hasn't won. And it's like I want him to win one so bad. It's like rooting for the Chicago Cubs They're They've and they finally did it. 
I want Ricky to finally win his. He's only, I think he's only 31, uh, 30. He's still relatively young. So it does seem like it could be something mental. Uh, his body looks like he's fine. Like I don't see anything breaking down there. So I hope, I hope he gets back and I hope he wins one soon. I think he's going to win. He's going to pull a fill. I think he's going to win at Augusta because he draws the ball right to left, which most of Augusta national uh, is draw biased hole. He's a fantastic putter. Um, I, I think he's going to win later on in his career, maybe late thirties, but I think he is like our generation's version of Phil, like Fiona Phil, Phil Mickelson's who I'm talking about for those who don't know. Um, right. Phil was considered the best player to not win a major for like a decade and a half. Like he was this junior phenom, this fantastic short game, just never won a major. But then later on in his career, once Phil had kids and was a st- had a more established family, kind of like, it's almost like he stopped caring. And then that's when he won. And so I can see the same thing for Ricky too. I mean, Rick, I mean, you know, Ricky's a good enough player. He could go out and win next week, but he just hasn't gotten over that hurdle yet. Kind of like Sergio too. Sergio Garcia was the same way. Felt like Sergio cared so much for so long. And then when he finally stopped caring was when he started playing so well and he won the Masters. But um, that's my prediction. But we'll see. I hope so. I really hope so. I think that's a great comparison. And I remember watching Phil. I, it feels like it was yesterday. It was 2004. I think it was on Easter Sunday. It might not have been Easter yep. Sunday. It, no, it, it, was. Was. it was. Okay. Mm-hmm. 2004 Easter Sunday. I remember watching that at my grandma's house. And my dad was so excited and I was, let's see, I wasn't even 10 years old. And my dad explained why that was such a big deal to see him win. He was my favorite golfer as a kid. So from that point on, and then last month, he ends up winning the PGA Championship. Uh, What a shock that was. How great was that, Garrett? That was awesome, man. It's comparable to Tiger um, winning the Masters. You know, I wouldn't put it as up there but very, very close. Um, but then you got to think, too, like, let, let's just think about these players' mindsets. Phil is, you know, World Golf Hall of Famer. He's already in there. Um, you know, he's never got, he, you know, for years has never had to worry about finances. We'll never have to worry about finances. Um, his wife's cancer is in remission. Um, as far as I know, his kids are doing well. You know, life is good for Phil. Life that's why Phil is just like, you know, he lost weight. He's been joking on Twitter about bombing it everywhere. So it's almost <laughs> like Phil, when he goes out, has no expectations set for himself, but he knows he's capable of great golf. But instead of expecting it, he just believes he's capable of it. And so I think that's what happened. He was just like, hey, let's just see what happens. And he went out there and crushed it. Um, you know, he's the oldest major champion by uh, like four and a half years. So. It's, um, you know, a guy just turned 50 and maybe a year ago or less, but it's crazy, man. I think it's awesome. What do you think about it? I absolutely loved it. It was really funny because first of all, I had completely forgotten that they moved that to May. It was obviously it used to be played in August. So I remember hearing about it. And for some reason I thought it was the players championship. I didn't think it was PGA championship. So I was like, oh, it's not a major, you know, but Hey, I, I like golf. This is great to see Phil win. And then, uh, you know, later in the weekend, I was like, oh, this is the PGA Championship. And I watched it that Sunday. I had uh, Gary Sheffield Jr. on the podcast here uh, from Outkick.com. And Gary's a great golfer. Um, 
he, he does a great job writing stuff. I don't know if you're familiar with him, but he's a really good dude and he's a huge golfer. So we had a great conversation about it at the time and we just were so over the moon excited about it because this is a guy that, again, we grew up watching and there were rumors that he was thinking about not even playing that weekend early in the week. And he went out there and he won. And it was like not a care, not a worry in the world, as you mentioned. And to, to see him win, to see the stage and just the, the scene there, um, to see all those, he was being treated like a rock star despite COVID and everything. Guys just coming out onto the course. And it was like, I started wondering, worrying if he was going to get tackled to the ground or if something bad was going to happen to him, but it didn't. Um, it was a fun scene. It was a great day. Yeah, you see there's a common trend on tour um, that I've noticed over the years is that, you know, your young gun phenom coming out of college, you want to prove yourself so badly to the world. So you come out guns blazing, fiery pen, you're fearless. But then when you reach kind of like your thirties and your early thirties, late twenties, it's almost like they're a scar tissue from that style of play that you've developed these forces over the years. So you tend to be a little more hesitant. And then I feel like your mid to late thirties players, you know, they start having kids perspectives start to change. And then they just relax on the golf course. It's like Davis saw the third Davis saw the third. Most of his wins came in his late thirties, early forties. And you see that perspective change. And so you got to think Phil kind of falls under that umbrella too of, Hey, you know, I'm comfortable. I don't have to be here. But it's great to be here. Let's just see what happens. And I think it's a, it speaks a lot on how your mindset needs to be when you do play. Um, but also speaks to the great player that Phil is and uh, what a champion he is. And it's pretty cool. 100%. Anything else on uh, the U.S. Open slash golf before we move to baseball? Anything we forgot to mention? Uh, nah, man. Um it was a good U.S. Open. It was fun. It was fun. But let's talk about some baseball. I, I need you to fill me in more on baseball. I've been working like crazy <laughs> lately, so I don't – oh, man. don't even know what the Braves are doing these days, but <laughs> fill me in. All right. So I have the series from the past weekend. We'll run through these. Before we do that, though, College World Series It's what's happening right now. And we had – we just kicked off in Omaha last night. NC State on top of Stanford, 10-4, to and Vanderbilt winning a walk-off thriller. Jason Gonzalez with the 12th inning walk-off, 7-6. to Unbelievable, great game last night. Today we had, uh, I guess, I don't know where we're at in these games because I made these notes a couple hours ago. I was watching golf. Tennessee and Virginia squaring off, and... Your boys, the Mississippi State Bulldogs, taking on the Texas Longhorns. Uh, we're probably pretty late into that game right now, but I have to think this is an exciting time for you being an alum. Yeah, oh, my dogs, man. There's a, you know, you're, we, we get punished during football season. We're not good at basketball, <laughs> but you know what? Baseball is what we're a baseball school. And uh, yeah, man, it's um, I actually forgot we were playing today, <laughs> but dude, cannot freaking wait. I love my dogs. <laughs> the last time we had a real chance was in 20, 2019 and then 2018, we were at the College World Series. And a few years prior to that, we played uh, UCLA and the uh, championship. Um, but man, it was 
dude, we have such a good team. We've got this guy named Tanner Allen, who's a right fielder, who's just sick. He, I don't know if he's gotten drafted. He got drafted out of high school, but he's going to get drafted again. And I'm curious to see. He's just like one of those guys where like, oh, wait, it's, it's like Brits Kepka. Oh, wait, it's a big game. Okay, I'll show up. Let's see what happens kind of thing. But yeah, it'll be cool, man. It'll be awesome. We need your help. So you better root for us. <laughs> what what do I have the power to do? Just uh rile just up the spread, fan base? Just spread the word, man. Just spread the word. Yeah. <laughs> Go dogs. Go dogs. Let's do it. I'm pulling for them for you. And especially because they're playing the Texas Longhorns. And my sister just graduated from TCU. We went to that was my only ever TCU athletic event that weekend during graduation. I saw the Frogs lose to the Texas Longhorns, and that Longhorns team is really good. So I think this is going to be a great series. They have a they have a reliever, uh, and I think I can't remember what his name, but his dad was Kevin Witt, who was a big leaguer, not related to Bobby Witt Jr. Uh, but Kevin Witt was a first round draft pick, had a nice major league baseball career. His son comes in. I think he's a freshman. He might be a sophomore. I think he's a freshman though. He comes out in relief and he's clocking 98 on the gun. So, yeah. I mean, that, yeah. <laughs> Jeez, man. That's, I've faced 98 one time in my life. And I was like, how do people do this? It's insane. Really? In high school, there was a guy throwing 98? No. Uh, actually, yeah, yeah. So it was at Travel Ball. Uh, we played in this tournament. If, if, if you're big into baseball and big into travel baseball, um, it's called World of Wood Bat. It's in East Cobb, Georgia. It's a national event. If you're in, if you're worth a hoot as a travel baseball team, you'll be there. And it's a wooden bat turn. It's the only wooden bat turn of the year. So first game, we face this guy. I think his name. Was, I think it was like B.J. Coleman or or C.J. Bowman or something like that. <laughs> but he was he was projected to be top round draft that year. Was throwing gas ninety eight. Um, I struck out the two times I faced him. Um, Honestly, because I was scared. I was like, I don't want to get hit by that thing. I don't. That was kind of wild. We had two hits that game. One was a drag bunt by my twin brother. The other one was a rocket to center field by this kid named Mikey White, who's in AAA ball right now. Um, but yeah, dude, it's 98 is pumping it, man. That's insane. <laughs> And you mentioned your twin brother. He seems like a really t- cool dude. Uh, we follow each other on Instagram. He seems like a good guy. Nice. Yeah, he's awesome, man. He, we're uh, we're twins, but we're kind of opposites. He's more of an introverted kind of guy, but he's definitely a lot healthier than I am. But um, <laughs> no, nah, he's cool, man. He's yeah, he was a heck of a baseball player. Fun fact about him: he holds the Alabama state record for batting average, and he wow. batted his junior year in high school. He batted five twenty eight. Oh my gosh! <laughs> not yeah, not unbelievable. One, not one offer from anybody. Really? Yeah, yeah. It's crazy. That's we, crazy. We, yeah, we didn't know how recruiting worked back then. So we didn't really market ourselves like you should have. But yeah, 528, man. Find someone who can beat that. It's insane. Yeah. I mean, after all, you are a Mississippi State former quarterback, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> we'll, we'll keep rolling with that. <laughs> yeah, you can. Uh, I, f- I feel like, you know, you, you had that for whatever reason that came up. Has anyone ever asked you, like, oh, yeah, like it, it turned into Mississippi State alum to Mississippi State quarterback to Mississippi State? He was starting over Dak Prescott, and then yeah. Dak Prescott yeah. replaced him when he got injured. Yeah, yeah. 
I, I had a few DMs like asking about that, like way back after the show. And I, I, I gotta be honest, some of them, I just didn't feel like explaining it and it sounded cooler if I didn't. So I was like, <laughs> yeah, that, that was me. And the other ones I was like, no, I played quarterback my freshman year at another school. But I mean, just tell your friends <laughs> that I did at Mississippi State. Yeah, it gets confusing for us transfers. I transferred a couple of times in college too. So it's, uh, yeah, it's easy to just sometimes just shrug your shoulders and say, sure, that's it. Yeah, that's kind of like the the whole thing. It's funny when I travel, I've got the PJ logo on all my luggage. And so people are like, oh, where are you playing this week? And instead of just being like, well, I'm a a PJ member, but I'm not a tour player. I'm a PJ professional. Like I make money teaching, not playing, but I'll also play and make money there too. Sometimes I'm just like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to Orlando, you know, just <laughs> going down to TPC, playing there. <laughs> no, it's, um, yeah, sometimes it's way easier just to say that, but it's kind of funny. So do people sometimes stop you and say, oh, are you a golf pro? And they don't know you were on The Bachelorette? Yeah, yeah, all the time. <laughs> I've got the PGA logo on my backpack and on my travel bag, too. Yeah, so it's like, <laughs> hey, this is a nice change of pace. That's what you probably dream of. I one time was on a flight and this was like when I was like a junior, yeah, junior in college. And I was next to a couple of people that clearly were not baseball fans. I had a Cubs hat on and like a Cubs spring training shirt on. I was flying from Phoenix to Chicago around during spring training. I actually went down there for spring training and I had these two people who are sitting beside me when I took off my, uh, I was wearing the Bose headphones right when we got off the flight and they said, who are you? I'm like, what do you mean? Like you play on the Cubs. I'm like, no, I don't. But uh, I wish I did. That's great. (laughs) Yeah, man. See, I get that a lot too uh, with, um, cause I actually wear, I don't wear golf polos everywhere. I wear like, like either like camo or black or like, like olive green stuff all the time. And I'll wear like black raffle coffee hats and they're like, Oh, like uh, what branch are you serving? I'm like, I didn't, but you know, let's just get that out there. I think it's <laughs> yeah, that's something not to lie about for sure. Man, man, I had a, I had a guy, um, uh, it was funny. Um, this brand sent me like a plate carrier that I still use. I use them for like workouts. Like I don't, I, obviously I'm, I'm a golf pro. I don't do anything dangerous, <laughs> but <laughs> Um, he was like, Hey, uh, you know, do you mind if I send you one, can you wear it on your next deployment? And I was like, Oh my gosh, deployment to my golf shop. Like (laughs) (laughs) he was like, wait, what? You're not green gray. And I was like, no, (laughs) I'm a golf pro. I don't do anything cool. And he was like, Oh, he was like, well, do you still want a plate carrier? I'm like, yeah, sure. I'll take one. But (laughs) just understand I'm using this to like work out, not to do what you might think I'm doing. (laughs) oh that's great garrett so uh we have eight teams left here in the college world series uh i don't know how much you've been watching but is there another team that you potentially see uh as if you're making a pick here who do you like uh to potentially just i guess i should say not even look at the matchups or anything like that who would be team number two because obviously mississippi state's going to win the whole thing who's going to be the runner-up uh arkansas Arkansas is Arkansas is out. They are. They lost to the North North Carolina State Wolfpack. Dude, I did not see that. Arkansas. Okay, Vandy's my pick then. Um, yeah. 
because Arkansas, right? Arkansas was like, so I was at the game where they played my dogs and they swept us and they were like, they're so it's good. Not, it's not like we played bad. They were like the most technically sound baseball team I think I've ever seen. Um, it was impressive. It was one of those games where you're just like, we, we played good. We just got beat all three times. Um, so that's a shock to hear they're out. I have no idea how good the Wolfpack are. Obviously, they're pretty dang good. They beat them. Um, so, yeah, Vandy's my pick. Who's yours? Yeah, I know. I, I have to say Vandy as well. I mean, they're the best baseball factory out of all these. But, I mean, Jack Leiter might be the number one overall pick in the draft this year. That kid is phenomenal. Al Leiter's son, for those who are not fans of college baseball who are listening to us. And if you're not a fan of college baseball – Check it out. It's pretty awesome. Now, I would prefer if they used wood bats just because I think it's going to be safer. Uh, I don't yeah. really know why college kids use metal bats, but nevertheless, it's great. I mean, it's I love baseball and I love college sports. So it's a combination of, you know, two things. It's a nice sweet spot there. Yeah. So they switched to these new like BB core bats. Um, I want to say it was like 2016 or something. But studies have shown the sweet spot on these new bats are actually smaller than the sweet spot on wood bat. Um, and the reason why they didn't mm. do wood bats is because they thought it might be too expensive for, you know, broken bats every game. Yeah. Which I get. I'm, I'm with you, too. I wish they would have done wooden bats. I mean, at that level, I feel like it's going to prepare you way more for a future career in baseball. than these 100%. Metal bats, but, you know, is what it is. But it just goes to show you. If you're hitting like 350 with these crappy metal bats, you're a hitter. I mean, you can do it with a wood bat all day, but I'm with you on that one. Yeah. You know, good point about the new bats. I think a lot of people don't realize that. I forget about it sometimes because I just see metal, I hear metal, and I naturally, just from my days as a player, you know, one of the things you always worry about is if you're pitching, just getting away from that ball as fast as possible. And I mean, it's going to come off the bat faster and harder on a metal bat than it would on a wooden bat. Yeah, we used to have um, – I played third base for a little bit of my career. Oh, and I did too. The, I did third know, base and center. Yeah, you know the fake the fake bunts where they, they, they square up to bunt and then they rip it back and swing? Yeah. But as a third baseman, you're charging lights out towards it. I mean, back in our day, those bats were so hot, you could get absolutely ripped if they, like, pulled one on um, but yeah, it's, it definitely would be a little safer. If they didn't do that and use wood bats instead, but Hey, it's what it is. I guess they implemented the Jack Vita rule in Wilmette baseball in uh fifth and sixth grade. I'm not kidding. They didn't call it that though, but I, I used to fake bunt a lot in sixth grade and it was because my coach figured out that I wasn't, I didn't have a very good weight transfer, but I watched the fake bunt. And for whatever reason, whenever I do the fake bunt, I build this momentum where I pull back and then push forward. And, I, you know, you, that's a huge thing. And it's with, you know, there's mechanics with golf as well. I talked about this with Gary Sheffield Jr. But you want to stride into that ball and get as much as you can on your swing, use as much body weight, transfer your weight. And so uh, anyway, I was fake bunting and I hit a line drive and almost hit the hit, uh, pitcher in the head. And then after that, there were no more fake bunts in Wilmette baseball. They were banned. Oh, man. Jeez. <laughs> so, uh, I think it's a good call. I- I'm surprised some high school organization down here hasn't banned it yet. But um, Yeah. It yeah. It's, it was still allowed in junior high. And then I had a buddy who was playing third base or 
uh, yeah, he was playing third base and he got hit right in the mouth on a, on a pitch, on a line drive. He was creeping Jeez, in for the ball. Yeah. Fingers game sometimes. Yeah. Baseball sneaky, dangerous. You got to be a good athlete, play baseball. Not always, but all right. So <laughs> we got our scores from the weekend. Um, so I'll just go through these and then if you can share. I've also got some stories so we can work through these. Um, all right. So the uh, Blue Jays take two of three in Baltimore. Ryan Mountcastle, however, hit a, he had a three home run game yesterday. Uh, the Nationals take three of four from the Mets. Indians take two of three from the Pirates. Yankees, two of three from the Oakland A's. The Braves, uh, interesting situation here. And I, I I guess I'm not entirely sure what's going on here. But they had a uh, – so they're up – they won the first – they won two of the first three games of the series. It's a four-game series. And yesterday's game got postponed, moved to today. Now, as a lot of people may or may not know – in Major League Baseball now, if a game, if there's a doubleheader, it, they play seven inning games for the doubleheader games. So uh, they were going to play on Sunday Night Baseball tonight. And I don't, I, I think they played a seven inning primetime game. Um, so the game would probably be over now, by now, if that's the case. It was Sunday Night Baseball. Again, I don't have my notes. I don't, I don't have the scores in front of me. But I think that's pretty wild. Uh, for the primetime game of the week to only be a seven-inning game. Like, I don't think – one, I, I have to think ESPN was not happy with that because they paid a lot of money for a nine-inning game uh, for all the ads and everything like that. Two, I mean, I just don't think it's good to showcase a seven-inning game as this is your one national game. It's the only game going on. Uh, there's no other games going on at this time. Yeah, I wish they would have stuck with the whole nine-inning doubleheader. I mean, it's – I get why they did that, but it just, I don't know. It's kind of feel like back in our day when we had like double and triple headers, we played full games the whole time. So as much as these guys are making, I mean, why not just do nine innings? But yeah, well, at least my Braves won the first two. I'll give it to them. How how, how they do on that seven game again? Uh, so it looks like they lost earlier today, nine to one, and it was in fact. I just checked it uh, as you were uh, talking, Garrett. Uh, but I was listening to. I was uh, I'm multitasking here. But <laughs> <laughs> um, they did win tonight, one nothing, seven in game. So they take three of four from the Cardinals. They're nice. right around five hundred right now, uh, and they've been you know just itching to turn the corner. They haven't been able to do so yet this year. I actually don't think. They've been above 500 yet this season. Yeah, and that was kind of like what we talked about earlier with everyone's on that team, man. That's not what you expected for the year. Um, but that's baseball. You know, again, you kind of want to start like we talked about last time too. It's good not to peak too soon. So they're just waiting until a little bit after the All-Star break, and they're really going to start flying. So we'll see. Well, I hope so. I mean, I'm starting to get a little concerned. You and I both picked them to win the World Series this year. Uh, I'm starting to get a little nervous because this is gut check time. We're about to move into July. They're 33 and 36. They're five games back of first place. The Mets are in first place. Although, I mean, we'll see what ends up happening with the Mets. I mean, do you, you know, when's the last time anyone had true confidence in the Mets? Uh they need to get healthy, though. I mean, Mike Soroka's situation was awful. We're probably not going to see him this year. 
Oscar Ianoa, you know what happened to him, right? No, no. What happened? So he was, I mean, he was playing really well, both offensively and pitching. He broke his hand, punching the dugout wall. <laughs> oh, man. That's, <laughs> golly. Well, you know, you should punch the dugout wall. <laughs> Probably cement, right? So why would you, uh, oh my gosh. Okay. Well, that sucks. Yeah. So the Braves are going to hopefully I mean they need to get healthy and maybe we see maybe in July they take off. I'm I'm pulling for them for you. Uh but we move along. The Miami Marlins take two of three from the Cubs at Wrigley Field. Uh the twins sweep the Texas Rangers. They're gonna need more where that came from. The twins have been a very disappointing team this year. Uh, the Royals take two of three from the Boston Red Sox. The Houston Astros just kicked the crap out of the Chicago White Sox. They sweep four. They take f- all four games in Houston. Yeah, and that's, I mean, that White Sox team, that's really, I was looking at it, they've only lost. You could probably count the number of series they've lost this year. I guess I, I maybe not. I don't know. They, they don't lose a lot. That's a great team. The Sox have been so good this year. I actually went to a Sox game earlier this week. Hey man. Um, sorry. I got a little sidetracked. I just got word. My dogs pulled it out against the old uh, Longhorns. Ooh. So let's Horns go. Down. Yeah. <laughs> let's go. Yeah, sorry. I got sidetracked there. No, you're good, <laughs> man. You're good. That's great. <laughs> yeah, it's cool. my, my mom's a big state fan too. She went there for a uh, postgraduate stuff. So, Oh, sweet. Um, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it's, um, it's interesting to see. I was thinking about actually your question the last time we had a reliable Met squad and it's got oh, yeah. the, the Mike Piazza days, right? <laughs> I think they had one the last. Okay. So they had, they had, they went to the world series in 2015, but that was a team that people really didn't see coming. That was exactly. a really weird year. Yeah. Um, they also went to NLCS in 2006 and that was the, when, uh, Andy Chavez made that unbelievable catch up against the wall yeah. against the Cardinals. Yeah. Was he, um, was, was Piazza on that squad still or no? He was in Oakland at that point, okay. but Again, that season was a bit of an outlier because they hadn't won in a while. So I think you're right. I think it was, you know, 20 years ago, Mike Piazza and the uh, New York Mets with uh, Al Leiter as well. Yeah, that was back when uh, the last, like, because I actually, I, I was a catcher growing up. And so I liked Piazza. He was like, don't give a crap attitude. And like, um, he was drafted in the 30th round, I want to say. Yeah, and he was just a stud, dude. And I, the last like good memory I have of the Mets is the Subway Series. Yeah, I think it was like two thousand. Yeah, two thousand. That's right. Yep. Yeah, so I'm really dating myself here, but um, <laughs> yeah, that, that was the last reliable, at least that kind of those encompassing years of like, okay, the Mets can produce a quality baseball team. Ever since then, you're right. It's been like just like spotty here and there. I feel like everyone's expecting them to get back, but they're just kind of there. I mean, maybe they will. Maybe this year will be the year, but who knows? Yeah. But, I mean, yeah, again, it's like they haven't had sustained success for a while. Mm. Um, That year, though, 2000, that was a Subway series. And, of course, who could forget Mike Piazza's broken bat foul tip? Yeah. Ball, uh, the bat goes over to Clemens. He picks up the bat and just hurls it. Throws it right at him. 
Yeah. And then Mike being the dude he is, is like, WTF, like you want to go? <laughs> like, like that's the thing, man. If I'm going to throw a bat at someone, the last position I'd throw it at is a catcher. Because, you know, they just take so much of a beating. And no matter who it is, you just got to expect that guy to come at you if you're going to do that. Um, or first baseman, they're typically pretty big dudes. Like, I, I, I would throw it at second baseman because they're kind of smaller guys. But, you know, either way, <laughs> it's like, I don't know. I don't know what Clemens was expecting there. That's yeah, just kind of crazy. I mean, that was peak roid rage, right? Like, yeah. that, that was yeah. absolute that's roid right. rage. That's right. I forgot he was on the <laughs> on the juice. So, that's yeah. right. All those guys were back then, man. I, yeah. I, I feel like all those guys were. And it, it, as much as I hate saying this, it helped the game. But, um, dude, the late 90s, early, early, late 90s, like very early 2000s was like the time. It was great. And I think I'm glad you brought up uh, players using substances to gain an advantage illegally. Because right now, Garrett, we have a substance issue going on in Major League Baseball. So I'll fill you in. I'll fill the listeners in. So uh, one of the biggest things, it's illegal to put Vaseline, spit, whatever it is on the baseball. And this has become a huge issue in Major League Baseball because a lot of guys, it's at, to, it's at the point where I had heard potentially 80%, something like that, of pitchers are doing something of that nature. Uh, spider tack is something that people can just buy on Amazon. They put it on the baseball. And I, I feel like we're probably going to see youth kids wanting to copy that and just buy the stuff on Amazon and do it. But it's illegal. It, there's a reason it's illegal. It gives you an unfair advantage in this sport. And what the problem is right now is you basically, like, first of all, you have to make a decision. You're either going to let everybody do it or nobody do it. Because there have been some guys who have gotten called for it um, just to make it look like, hey, we are doing our job. We are policing this to an extent. But starting tomorrow... They're going to be really cracking down on this. It's really interesting. It's going to be happening right now in the middle of the season. When pitchers come off the mound, they're going to be inspected. for. Uh, they're not going to be – sunscreen is something that they can't have on their forearms. Uh, rosin is something that they're checking out. And what was really interesting – so I, I guess well, we'll come back to the Mets on this in a second. But – they're going to check relievers before they go into games. They're going to check guys coming, starters coming out of games. Teams have been advised that if they are suspicious of something from the other dugout to notify the umpire. Um, and there are now three teams that have essentially said, we are going to, we're going to do that. Um, so this is something that's becoming a big thing in the sport right now in the middle of the season. Very interesting for them to tighten up and really enforce this thing. Had you been following? Did you know anything about this, Garrett? Yeah, so I saw, I didn't know it was called spotter tack, but I saw where a pitcher had it on the inner part of his glove, like right on his palm, but blended in with just the wear of a tan glove. So you can really tell, but, um, I saw where it was technically, well, it was it was illegal, but it was allowed kind of thing, like right. based off of who was umping that game, kind of either yeah. just kind of pushed under the rug versus some umps don't. They check it. 
Um, I didn't know it was such a big push. I didn't know that I was starting tomorrow either. But um, yeah, I, I'm a I'm a fan of it, man, because it just ruins the game. I mean, let's face it, it's home runs sell, right? And it's obvious. It's kind of like um, the NFL, why it's such a big passing game because oh, it's so exciting. Well, it's obvious the MLB is transitioned to okay. Pitching has gotten kind of too much, and hitting sells tickets. Home runs, big bomb sell tickets, so let's do it. Um, but I think there's something to be said to that, because I feel like overall, um, at the risk of being off topic, the game in the general public's eye is getting too slow and it's dying. I appreciate it. You appreciate it. But the average person might not, you know. Um, so I just wish... I think it's a worse look on this game if they're going to use substances like that to try to improve their performance. Um, and also, I think in the long term, if pitching is that much better, then ticket sales is going to be lower um, to the average bear. Again, I appreciate it. But what, what say you? What do you think? No, I'm with you. I think that the best – I think the best part of baseball is balls and plays. Balls and play. Um, so I, I like home runs, but I also want to see plays at the plate. I want to see defensive guys make diving stops, diving catches. I want to see those are those are the exciting plays that we remember. It's the yeah. Derek Jeter flip play of the 2001 playoffs. We it's yeah. stuff like that. And what the problem is, and Gary Sheffield Jr. said this uh, a month ago when he was on here. He said people don't want to see dominant pitching they want to see dominant pitchers so when guys who are not you know the great pitchers of this league are putting something on the ball and no one can hit them and that's happening league-wide we have like the lowest cumulative average uh i guess yeah average batting average in major league baseball right now it's like a like 235 is like an average baseball player. Like, really? no, we don't want that. Yeah, Jeez, we want. Man. Yeah, we want. We want to see guys like you know, two sixty, two seventy should be the average. We want to see more hitting, um, and we want to see. Yeah, so I think it's really interesting. One other thing I want to add. Actually, there are a couple things here to talk about, but Pete Alonso, which we were talking about the Mets, he came out and he made a bold statement. It's a couple weeks ago, and he said, "You know what." Like I'm a hitter. I want the pitchers to be able, look, if they're throwing 97 in the zone, I want them to be able to put stuff on the ball to enhance their grip. So they get a better grip on the ball and then I won't get hit in the face with a pitch. And it's like, in theory, that sounds good, but they're not using it to get a better grip on the ball. They're doing it. Pete's not a pitcher. Uh, of course, yeah. he'd say something like that. Pete doesn't. I mean, I think someone like that thinks they understand, and they definitely have a better capable of understanding compared to someone who's never played baseball. But like, that's just to me. That's there needs to be another word. I'm gonna say kind of idiotic. I don't mean <laughs> idiotic, but there needs to be another word. Um, anyway, well, I, I'll I'll give an alternative idea to that. I'm oh, sorry to cut you off. You had more. No, no, you're good. No, no, no. Go ahead. So I think he was standing up for his guys, potentially, because I was thinking about this a little bit. I was like, well, the Mets win games because teams don't score a lot of runs against them. They pitch well. They don't hit very well. They don't score a lot of runs. So maybe some of these Mets pitchers are using it 
and he doesn't want them cracking down and his guys getting busted. That's what I, that's actually how I read it. And I thought that was, it made me suspicious that the Mets could be doing something here. They could be one of these. I think there are a lot of teams. It's not just the Mets. And there's probably a guy on, you know, 29 of the 30 teams right now that's doing it. And probably See, several on a lot of them. I mean, you're, you're a consi- conspiracy theorist too. We both have tenfold <laughs> hats on right now. No, yeah. I can see, I can see that too. I really can. Um, I can totally see it. I just think uh, any batter who's going to defend pitchers cheating, there's something going on there, or he yeah. just has a lack of understanding, right? Um, yeah, I think I actually am siding with your opinion more than my own right now. That's, um, <laughs> that's, I think that's exactly what's going on. Yeah. I think we see through it. Now, another interesting thing is that Tyler Glass now, the Rays starting pitcher, really a great pitcher. I'm a big fan of his. He tore his UCL in the game, and he said in a postgame press conference, let me me get this quote out here because this was super interesting. He essentially – he said basically outright – okay, so he says – I switched my fastball grip and my curveball grip, and this is after they are now implementing these rules with the foreign substances. So essentially he was saying that he was weaning himself off of it is what it sounded like. He said, I switched my fastball grip, my curveball grip. I had to put my fastball deeper into my hand and grip it way harder. Instead of holding my curveball at the tip of my fingers, I had to dig it deeper into my hand. I'm choking the bleep out of all my pitches. They should do it in the off season when it comes to, you know, making these uh, in crackdown on the rules. Give us a chance to adjust to it. But I just threw 80 innings. Then you tell me I can't use anything in the middle of the year. I have to change everything I've been doing the entire season. I'm telling you, I truly believe that's why I got hurt. So he's saying that he got injured because he could no longer use it. Now, maybe there's something to that. I'm not going to deny or say that if he had it, that he wouldn't have gotten injured. There's no way to know. And I think I, I think Glassdown's a really smart guy. I really like him a lot. And I think he, he, he could be onto something here. I think he knows his body better than we do. But at the same time, he says, give us a chance to adjust to it. They've been, so you're basically, you've been cheating and you don't want, us to now do something about people who cheat like that. If you don't want to get in trouble, you don't want to have a problem, then don't cheat. Um, but at the same time, it also is tough because it has become a, it's like, there's a gray area with this thing because the league hasn't been doing anything about it. Why wouldn't you go along with the rest of the crowd? If everyone's being basically being allowed to do it. So I, I don't know. What are your thoughts on this? Um, <laughs> I agree with you. I think um, it's definitely very suspicious. I don't, again, it's important to state that we don't know his body. Um, As much as I want to say, oh, well, like, this is not because of the uh, new rules at place. It could be, right? Maybe, Maybe what he's saying does have some merit. I don't think so, but I think it's important to at least hear him out and try to see his side of things before we past judgment on his words. Um, but I also think that a lot of people don't know too, the more you progress in baseball, the smaller the seams get on the actual baseball. And that's, you know, you know that 
you know, if you are pursuing a career in baseball, you look at a, you know, a Wilson, I think it was like a Wilson 1040 or whatever it's called that we used in high school, have giant seams. You look at minor league ball, they're smaller seams. You look at MLB ball, they're like hardly existent. That's on purpose, right? Because it's, in my opinion, to promote pitchers are so good at hitting spots, so good with their pitches is to promote hitting, give hitters a chance kind of thing. Um, which again, it's just like, I don't, I don't know any justification for cheating. Like he's kind of advocating. Um, it's kind of understood that, you know, that this is what's going to happen when you go to the next level, but at the risk of sounding judgmental, I also think he is kind of blaming his own injury on something that did not cause that injury. Um, cause I mean, again, how is shoving a fastball deeper in your hand going to have an impact on your elbow? Right. Maybe it does. I don't think it does, but maybe it does. It's, it's hard for me to say, man, because the critic in me wants to be like, yeah, right, dude, you're just full of crap right now. But having done that a lot in the past and having been wrong a crap ton of times, I also want to kind of try to understand what he's saying a little bit more. If that makes sense. Yeah, 100%. I think it's best if you, first of all, I think uh, one of the things is if you don't know the answer or something, I think it's best to just say, I don't know. And I think yeah. that's where I am with a lot of this stuff. I think a lot of people form a conclusion before they have evidence. And I like to take the evidence and then form a conclusion. So I could see, I mean, we'll see what ends up happening. I could be swayed either way. I don't think that we should be allowing these guys to use it, but it is possible. I mean, Jacob deGrom left his start on Wednesday. I think it was Wednesday night um, after he pitched three great innings, he had a shoulder injury. So it could be, I mean, what ends up happening if all these really good pitchers end up getting injured? Uh, You still can't allow them to do that. You're a professional. You should know how to throw a ball without, you know, stressing your elbow, stressing your shoulder, yeah, getting exactly, hurt. exactly. And it's kind of like my argument. One of my biggest arguments in sports period is that the worst detriment to athletics and athletes is synthetic turf grass as an yeah, ACL. It killer. stinks. I hate it. It's, it's an Awful. ACL killer because the grass does not give way. And you look at the stats, they like knee issues have become such a prevalent issue post the synthetic turf grass, which happened in like 06 was like when it really started to catch fire before that it wasn't that big of an issue. Um, so again, with this, with this thing, if it is really that much of an issue to grip a baseball without this stuff, you're going to start seeing everybody tear whatever in their elbow and their shoulder. I doubt that's going to happen, which is again, might be the skeptic in me might be the Garrett. who's a little harsh, but <laughs> if you do see people start doing it, um, like everyone's like ripping their elbow apart, then you'll know, okay, maybe we need to readdress this. But again, I'm with you. I'm kind of doubtful of it. Um, based off the fact that only, you know, we'll call it one and a half people have had injuries from it. Cause DeGrom's really, it, you don't know what it really <laughs> right. is. Um, yeah. but yeah, I, I think the proof is in the pudding as my dad always said. And <laughs> if it's really that big of an issue, we're going to find out about it in the oncoming months. I doubt it though. Once again, shout out to Garrett's father here on Father's Day. And That's right. That's right. <laughs> uh, Big Ray. So a few, <laughs> few more uh, scores here. The Brewers and the Rockies split a series, a four-game series, 2-2. Two, two. 
Angels uh, take two of three from the Tigers. Angels are now floating around 500, which is it's really bizarre. They're a team that was really bad when they had Mike Trout this year, and now without Mike Trout, they're playing better baseball. I don't, I don't think there's really any cause or correlation to that. I think maybe it's just the fact that they, they're starting. To, they had a lot of pieces that are starting to click later in the year, um, and I, I don't think that's a good team. I, I, I think it's a small sample size, but it's definitely funny. Yeah, yeah. Um, sometimes that happens. Though. You lose your best player, and the spotlight's off of you, and you start playing better. Not saying it's good thing that Mike's out, but. You know, maybe it just helped them kind of, I don't know, start momentum a little sooner. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah, it gives it, you, you get up to play and you say, like, well, we can win one for Mike. And uh, yeah, or it's like, like well, we know we sucked with Mike, or now we're going to suck <laughs> even worse without him. So whatever. And then you start actually playing baseball, right? Yeah. Again, maybe that's my tinfoil hat theory, but. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, man. Okay, so the Dodgers take two of three from the Arizona Diamondbacks. Uh, the Phillies lose two of three to the Giants. Giants take two of three. Uh, Giants are still humming along nicely. They're in first place in the NL West. That's a shocker. Uh, they're like 20 games above 500. I was. I feel like I was very harsh on Gabe Kapler, um, but he comes in, and it seems like those guys are buying in. Giants are playing some good baseball. Padres sweep four from the Cincinnati Reds who were previously playing some very good baseball. Uh, the Tampa Bay Rays get swept by the Seattle Mariners, another four-game series. They've lost six in a row. Prior to that, they had the best record in the American League before they lost to the Chicago White Sox. Uh, things were not looking very good for the Tampa Bay Rays until a few hours ago when they announced that they will be calling up the number one prospect in all of baseball, shortstop Wander Franco. Uh, I We just had on a couple weeks ago, Orestes Destrade, who does the Rays pregame and postgame shows. And he also was on Baseball Tonight. I'm sure you, you probably grew up watching him. He did the Little League World Series, World Baseball Classic. Uh, I pitched the nickname for Wander Franco. I said, you got to say that guy's got Wander vision. <laughs> <laughs> That's nice, man. Nice little... Dad joke on Father's Day, too. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, a couple other notes here. So Kyle Schwarber hits three home runs today. There are now seven guys this season with three home run games, uh, which doesn't seem like a lot, I guess, but that's a fact. And then the Yankees turned a game-ending triple play to beat the Oakland A's today. They've turned three triple plays this season the last time a team turned three triple plays in a season was a 2016 Chicago White Sox. So there you go. Fun fact there. You're, dude, you're like that guy on SportsCenter that's like, oh, well, the last three coaches that have eaten grass have won by a margin of <laughs> 10 points. Like, you're <laughs> that king, man. It's like Tim Kirkchin. <laughs> yes. Yes. Exactly. The last time the Chicago White Sox. <laughs> That's a pretty good impression. <laughs> oh, you're going to be his uh, replacement for sure. <laughs> Someday. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. All right. Uh, anything else baseball-wise before we move to Bachelor? Um, I will say, and maybe this is my bias, it's definitely my bias and maybe my stubbornness, 
the Braves are going to end up like the Moneyball Oakland A's. In what way? Slow start, behind early on, pass the all-star break, catch fire. Um, except they're not going to lose early. They're going to make it to the World Series. Okay. Oh, All right. Oh. Well, I will right there, that clip, that video clip, we will put that out there if this happens. Yes. So. It's going, <laughs> if you mean when it's going to happen. It, when it happens. I mean, what I, <laughs> what I mean by that, I mean, we can even put it out now, but I mean, what, if they win the world, if they get to the world series or when they get to the world series, we will pull this clip up and say that Garrett Powell said it on June 20th when it was all doom and gloom and no one had faith in the Braves anymore. I should have done that with John Rahm right after the uh, <laughs> memorial because I was like, he's going to win the Open. He's going to. <laughs> yeah, pull, pull it up for sure. You know what's funny was you said John Ra, and I my, right when I hear John Ra, we're talking Braves, I think John Rocker. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> dude. What a beast, man. Steroid king, by the way. Just the juice, the juice god. Like, oh man, he was. Uh, that just that just like highlights the Braves in like the late nineties. That guy was insane. Yeah, he was. He got, he, he, he's a closer, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, I was about to say. All right, yeah, he was the, insane, dude. The HBO show Eastbound and Down, starring Danny McBride, was based off of John Rocker. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Dude. it has to, is that okay is that like a satire of john rocker or like it's yeah like it's he, yeah okay. yeah it's okay. like I've they seen, got the I've idea it down it's like it's out there so i have to make sure <laughs> it's so weird but it's hilarious it was, it was a funny show uh john rocker was on survivor i don't know if you knew that did not know that when yeah 2014 oh so he was older yeah whoa yeah. <laughs> Let's go watch that as soon as we get off. <laughs> That's awesome, though. I'll tell you one thing from it. So there was a guy who recognized him, and he's like, oh, your name's John. What's your last name? And he says, "John, I'm John Wetland. He claimed he didn't just pretend to not be John Rocker. He pretended to be John Wetland, who was the Yankees closer at the same time period. <laughs> <laughs> what a savage move. <laughs> oh man that's pretty funny dude but that's that's his personality man he's uh he does not give a crap <laughs> all right so i was able to round up some questions uh about the bachelorette and your time on the show and also a little bit about faith uh, we can get into some of that uh while you're here um so let's see you were on was it season what season number was it that you were on 15 yeah, 15. 15, okay. Final five, you're number five on the show. And again, if you guys want to hear more about Garrett's time on the show, we did talk about it a month ago. Um, so we're going to get to some different questions today. Uh, well, not not quite, because I did have one repeat question. It was the most uh, requested question I got last time. Do you remember which what this question was? Yeah, how bad was Luke P really or something like that? No, 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 no. It's about your own dating life if you were single. Oh shoot. Now I've been uh yeah, I've been I've been dating around. Um been had my eyes on this one uh girl from Nashville. Um, boy. Yeah, she uh just visited last night, which is good. Things are going Let's well. go. So we'll see. We'll see. Let's it's go. um hoping it turns into a long term thing. 
Um, yes. Time will tell. Love it. Okay, great. So, ladies, I'm sorry about that. I know that you're all disappointed because that's what they all wanted to know. But you know what? This guy right here is single. So if you uh, want to <laughs> bless up right here, pass them on over to me, Garrett. Uh, any of those DMs, uh, they can just give them my handle. Uh, <laughs> I'll send. I'll send them your way for sure, man. <laughs> good stuff. Okay, so uh, a good. Uh, well, I got a great question about dating, but I want to save that for the end. Um, so let's see. Okay. Uh, why did you not go on Bachelor in Paradise? So after the show, they talked to me about it, and um, I just wanted to be a normal dude again. Didn't realize that wasn't a possible thing, <laughs> but um, I just want—I like—I I got back. I was like, I just want to play golf. I just want to teach golf. I don't want to be like that. I don't want to do the TV stuff, and so that was my main motivation. Now you say that, but would you ever go on another reality show? I don't know if I would, man. Um, Cause the thing about it that people don't understand, and I kind of wish that, you know, I wish everyone had like thousands of followers so they could experience that. That's not the thing that makes you happy. Um, because fame is a dangerous thing when you're exposed to it there is a part of you for the rest of your life that's always going to want more. And it's kind of like, like even today, man, I'm, I'm like, I'm a has-been, but there's still a small part of me that still wants to pursue that and not to keep it in check. Like whenever I post something, I ask myself, okay, am I doing this for me? Or am I doing this to like get likes? Or am I doing this because so-and-so will like it or what? Um, and if I were to go on another show again, I just know that like thirst for fame will just magnify. And it was so hard to get over the first time. I just don't, I don't, I don't really want to do that again. Kind of thing. If that went kind of deep there, but no, yeah, that's great. So absolutely. Okay. So let me rephrase this question then. Cause I think this is something people want to know. And that's a great answer to the question. And we'll probably dive a little deeper into that ideology there in a second, but let's say you had never gone on the bachelorette. And you had someone had told you you had to go on a reality TV show. What reality TV show? And you didn't know anything about fame. What reality TV show would you have picked? Um, I think you know. I'll I'll say it. I think that you would be good on Survivor. I think you'd relate well to people. You would be able to do all the outdoor stuff easily. It seems. I'd say Survivor or The Big Break that used to be on the Golf Channel. Mm. Yeah, yeah, one of those two. Something that is not like <laughs> chasing a wife on TV. Just not <laughs> that. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with you there. I, I can see Survivor for sure. Survivor, yeah. And then the other one that I think this was a funny question. Who from The Bachelor would you run The Amazing Race with? Uh, Jed. Jed? Jed, 100%. Dustin is a very close second. Yeah. I yeah, think but. I think you and Luke P would be the pair that everyone wants to though. <laughs> yeah. Hey, nowadays, Luke, if you're into it, let's do it, man. I'm, I'm game. <laughs> I One, I think you guys would do well, but I mean, oh my goodness, that would be, I feel like you guys would just be a comical duo. It would be like the, yeah, the meme that I made. And for those that don't know, I did take the uh, Kepka face reaction to DeChambeau uh, and I, pl- I put I put your name 
on Kepka. He's rolling his eyes. And I put Luke P's name on uh, <laughs> Bryson. <laughs> yeah, dude. When you first sent me that, I was like, dude, that's that's pretty freaking funny. That's awesome. <laughs> but the funny thing is, too, man, uh, what a lot of people don't know about Jed, because ABC just like tried to trash Jed as much as they could. Jed is one of the more funnier human beings I've ever met. His sarcasm is hilarious. He's always spot on with the moment. That's a big reason why I take him on Amazing Race with me. Because he's... <laughs> hey, what was that? You cut out for a second. What was that? Like, you just don't know when it's coming, too. Which is pretty funny. Oh. <laughs> That's awesome. That's great. Um, okay, another question I got was, has your dating life changed since being on The Bachelorette? In terms of, have you had more i think they were wanting to know have you had more suitors like have there been girls that kind of like want to attach themselves to you because you're famous Famous. yes 100 percent. like a lot of people don't know i went when i was interviewing for the show i forgot to set this one out last time so excuse me if i did but um like as the interview process was getting deeper and deeper I started to realize, okay, maybe I do have a chance of actually making it on this thing. Like, do I actually want to go? Well, I didn't want to back out. So I went on a bunch of dates, like probably five or six dates uh, with different women, and none of them called me back. That's how awkward I am. None of them called me back. <laughs> so then when it got announced that I was going to be on the show, literally like all of them, but one or two, like called me back and was like, hey, like, when are we going to go on our second date? Like, it's like, man. And that's how it's very, very difficult because I used to just be like, oh, well, you're cute. Let's go on a date. You know, you're fit. You're funny. That's great. Now it's like, okay, what are your intentions? Why do you want to go on a date? Right. And it's it's a difficult process. And you know, I'm still trying to vet out people, not just like dates, but like people that are in my life. Like, hey, why are you here? <laughs> like, right. are you an actual friend or what kind of thing? So it's gotten tougher for sure. That's really interesting. I mean, that's, I think that's super weird. And I can totally see why there are so many things about your experience that you haven't enjoyed because you just want to be a golf pro. You didn't seek this out. You mentioned it on our last podcast that you got nominated to go on the show. You weren't trying to do anything. And, you know, Jordan Kimball, when he was on here, he was talking about how, uh, he, he got recruited and he was just so confused that first night of what was going on. He was looking around and he's like, if you watch the episode, you can see it on my face. I look so lost and confused because there were all these guys that were like, man, I'm going to have so many Instagram followers from this. And he's just like, what? Like, wh- wh- what is going on right now? Yeah, same thing. Like, like the best way I can put it, it felt like we just got back from a wedding. And up in the kitchen, they're all the productions wearing black. And up in the kitchen, they're all just like drinking and eating. And then we're down at the bottom, like on this couch. They're like, hey, so talk about what you think Hannah's gonna be like. And they're like, speak on it, go. And we just start talking. And, you know, my, I never even saw her that first night past like the limo scene. And so I was just like, well, <laughs> it was a good run. My butt's going home, whatever. Friend's gonna make fun of me. Like, I didn't know what was going to happen. I didn't know you can't actually see anyone. You can't even see Hannah 
unless production like lets you see her. And so they were telling me the whole night, hey, just wait, like you'll get to see her, you'll get to see her soon enough. Like 2 a.m. comes around, 4 a.m. comes around, 5 a.m. comes around, I don't see her. And I'm like, whatever, I'm going home, that's fine. And it's just such a weird experience to where you've never been through something like that. Um, and he said it best, man. I was lost too. I didn't know what to do. I was like, well, you know, we're allowed two drinks every hour. So I'm going to make sure I definitely get my two drinks in because I don't know what the heck's going on. But let <laughs> I me mean, just chill and meet people. Do they have a like a, a cutoff in terms of a drinking thing? Because I've heard about on the challenge, there have been people where they give them a drink count. And then uh, there's a guy on there, Tony Rains. Uh, Tony was a, a huge character, but if he started drinking, it was a problem. And so they, by his later seasons, they started saying, no, you can only have just a couple drinks. And then after that, they totally cut him off. And good for it was good for him because then he wasn't doing stuff that he shouldn't have been doing. Yeah, um, it was two drinks an hour for us, starting at noon, ending at midnight. And the reason being, there's this guy named DeMarco, who I'm really good friends with. He's awesome. He was on Paradise a few seasons ago. And they they used to be like Wild West, like do whatever you want, drink whatever you want kind of thing. Um, but then the woman that he was like hanging out with accused him of rape. And turns out it didn't happen. She just accused him of it. They, I think they like hired attorneys and everything over it too. Um, but after that, ABC was like, hey, we don't want to deal with this again. Let's just have drinking limits. So fun fact, um, obviously there's a lot of downtime and I'm an awkward person. I am, I know it, I'm, you know, I'm proud of it. I'm awkward, cool. So like, of course, before dates, we're like, all right, well, let's get a couple of drinks because it helps me to loosen up a little bit because I'm so awkward. So me and Mike Johnson, who's on my show, uh, realized when I was like, wait, so how about if we start ordering drinks at like noon and just like stash them away and don't start drinking until like nine, then we'll have like way more than enough. And so that's what we did. We ordered like two shots starting at noon every hour on the hour. And thankfully, um, I actually left early because that date was my one-on-one date in Latvia where we went bungee jumping. So it actually worked out very well. Um, but yeah, it's, it's definitely a drinking limit. They cut you off. There's this woman named Stella. who used to be with LA homicide for like 10 plus years. And she worked with the FBI for 10 years. And that was our like monitor. And she did not care what she thought of her. I'll say that. So <laughs> she was not the nicest person. She was a <laughs> monitor for it. So, uh, some other questions I got here. Uh, People want to know, do you still watch the show? I don't. No. It's um I watch Pete season because I like Pete a lot. He's a good friend, but I just don't I'm trying to separate myself from that. Like I understand people ask questions about it. I'm very will definitely answer it ten out of ten times, but for watching it goes, not really, no. And then the follow-up question what to that was what are your general thoughts on the show as a franchise today, I guess. Um, I think they're paying attention a little too much on, you know, the way the world is right now, instead of being who they are. I think getting rid of Chris Harrison was a detrimental move to the show. Um, I did hear about that. Um, and I just think, you know, obviously he's laughing his way to the bank. So to Chris, he's a really good guy. Um, 
can't say enough good things about them. But I just feel like they're kind of watching what the world is doing and they're watching what all these big corporations are doing and being like, okay, well, we should do that too. And it's kind of made, it's causing like a drift further. Not that I was a big fan before, but from what I understand the show to be, they're drifting further and further away from who they actually are. And I think not only from a corporation standpoint, but you see a lot of people do that nowadays too. Um, so I don't foresee it lasting too much longer because their viewers are crashing from what I understand. But um, at least Chris is happy. I'm happy for Chris. Really yeah, good dude. I love Chris. Chris seems like a great guy. I think what's interesting is, and again, we won't go too bi- too deep into this, but something I've observed is that reality TV, how it started, it was great. It was the real world. It was Survivor. Those are really the two banner shows that really made this thing a huge thing. And the, the general idea for those shows was let's get strangers from random parts of the country, totally different. They, they'll look entirely different. They'll be different from different regions. They work in different fields and we're going to have them come together and build a community together. And they're going to, maybe they'll talk about different topics and how they view things differently. But at the end of the day, hopefully what you would have is people would come together and build something together. And then what would end up happening You'd have these unlikely friendships, people who would normally not ever interact in real life, but they would on a reality TV show. And I think what's so strange is right now there's a contingency on the Internet of people that don't want to see people that are different from them. They only want to see the people that have the same exact viewpoint as them. And that's entirely different from what reality TV was made to be and what it should be, in my opinion. Yeah, it was meant to be a melting pot, kind of like a fun thing. Yeah. Um, but I also think you see reality TV change with everything else, right? Um, like, I am a firm believer that mental health overall is in a severe decline with young people now. Um, and I think that, frankly, reality TV is kind of catering to that, right? Um, I mean, I don't know. It's it's It all ties in with, like, social media, you know, the um i guess the politically what's going on the environment outside but it used to just be like fun and everything that's that's what's funny about my season two is that when we left after the season you know 2019 all of us were boys we knew we felt differently about political topics you know um about religion stuff like that but we were all boys soon as 2020 hit and the media and social media said, hey, you shouldn't like this person because they don't feel a different way. We weren't boys anymore. Right. And it, you know, some of it was some people, some of it was other people. You know, it was just it's 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 insane. That's how the world works. But there used to be such a simpler time of like, hey, you know, this is a great thing. Let's bring everyone together. Melting pot. Let's just see how they react. And nine times out of 10, they come out of that situation all being friends with each other versus now it's like, you can't say the same thing. Yeah, it's so sad. It's really sad. And I think what's also interesting, you, you've you told me some things about The Bachelor in this episode and the last time we talked. And then, you know, Jordan's told me stuff. I've watched the show. I think what's really interesting is one of the things, one of the reasons why I stopped watching the show on top of all these other things is 
I one, I don't think that this is the way that people should look for love in general. Um, oh, but also, it's not. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> There's yeah, that. There. But then the other thing is, I feel like the way they treat, like on Survivor, it used to be like, okay, here are the sixteen people, and even if this person was voted out first, then they maybe did something that was embarrassing. The end of the show, they uh, they really honored everybody that was on the show, and it was like, thank you for being a part of our show. And there are other shows like even the apprentice where they got embarrassed by being fired. Like I felt like there was more respect to those people. I don't think the bachelor has been very respectful. Like I feel like they sort of bring someone on and maybe they manipulate them to do something, or maybe it gets twisted and spun a certain way. And it's like, look at this crazy zoo animal over here. Like, I don't think they humanize you guys the way that they should. No, and they don't look out for you as far as afterwards, too. So it, it took, um, um, like, I went through, obviously, some serious, like, kind of, I guess I was trying to find myself after that. Because my identity had been one thing. And then after that, I had, like, conflicting identities and they were fighting each other. And I didn't know who I was, basically. And they did not make an effort to, like, reach out and say, like, hey, like, are you doing Okay. We know it's kind of a weird experience. And, you know, again, these people have made like millions of dollars off of us. Right. So the production company um, films a season called NZK Productions. They sell it to ABC for a hundred million. It's not that much. I think it's like uh, $20 million. And then ABC makes, I'm guessing 200 plus million off every season because of ad revenue and stuff like that. We don't get paid anything. So it's like, well, you get a My you get a stipend, right, being, for being like, on there. Don't they have to give you something the longer you're on there? No, they don't give you anything. Period. That's I didn't get that. A thing. That yeah, is I mean, why I got like. Yeah, I got. Yeah, like I got a stipend while I was in a hotel interviewing. Um, I got a stipend uh, when I was in a hotel for like four days to pay for food. Um. They paid for like meals and like obviously flights and stuff like that. But like as far as being paid to be on that show, I, I was not paid anything. Um, wow. Paradise is not that way because Paradise, the way they view it is, okay, well, you have an established TV career now. So we need to Annie up to get you on here. But if you think about it, like when I was on Hannah season, I was a nobody in the, in the grand scheme of the world. So they're like, why should we pay you anything? Right. I didn't get paid anything. So like as a decent human being, I would think, okay, well, you know, it's kind of a weird, we've seen stuff happen in the past where people are kind of jacked up leaving this show. Let's at least keep reaching out to make sure you're okay. That did not happen until one of my friends, Elise, who was on Colton season, reached out to her producer because she thought I was so, like, bad mentally that I might do something to myself. And that's what it took for them to reach out with a psychologist. And that's how much that show really like chews you up and spits you out. Um, and it sucks. Um, but also you look at certain, they, they support certain people a lot more than they support other people. Like if you're a lead or if you're someone who has lasted a long time on that show, they support them. But then like, you know, there was a guy on my season who didn't last very long, who OD'd on drugs and had a drug issue. And it was right after the show and no one reached out to him, but, you know, if you finish top two, you get reached out to every week, right? 
And that's the problem with it. They, they dehumanize you and they're just like, okay, well, thanks for letting us get all this money. Now you can just go away now. Shoo, shoo kind of thing. Man, that is really bad. And I really appreciate you being so open about your mental health um, and sharing that. And your journey is so powerful um, with your relationship with Christ. I guess knowing everything that you know now and everything that we just talked about, this was a question. Another question I got was, would you advise others to go on the show? And I think initially the question was, would you advise others who share your views and your values to go on the show? Because it seems like they'll vilify people who have your types of values. But I think now, I think a greater question now is based on everything you told me, if you just met someone who was the age that in the year 2021, the age that you were two years ago, you met a guy who's a couple years younger than you and said, I, I want to go on this show, or maybe they get reached out to by a casting director. Would you advise them to go on the show? I still say yes. Um, hmm. Over Overwhelmingly yes, because it's a, life ex- it's a life experience that one person of one percent of people ever get to experience. Plus, you know, I'm actually very thankful for it because the issues that I had mentally, I've always had, they just never surfaced Mm. because there's never been that grave an opportunity for them to surface. So without that opportunity of going on that show and experiencing all of that, they may have never surfaced. And so my goal as a man is to be someone that's going to be a great father to a son or a daughter one day, going to be a great husband to a wife one day. And I can't honestly tell you, I would have been that great father husband if I hadn't confronted those issues. Um, and so it took going through that show, going through all the mistakes I made, going through the good things that happened to me and going through those experiences for those issues to come out and for light to be shined on those for me to deal with them. Like, again, like it all stemmed from me mishandling social media and kind of mishandling the criticism that I got. The fact is, if I never experienced that, I could be 10 years down the road and still not know how to experience criticism like that, if that makes sense. And so I'm very thankful. The experience overall taught me so much and kind of made me, it forced me to learn things about myself and about other people um, that no other, I'd be hard pressed to find another experience that would force me in that situation. Like, for example, I used to, I used to like get mad at like people that are like haters and like get mad and send mean things. Now, like I've taught myself to back away from the situation and analyze, okay, why are these, why is this random person creating a random account to send me a mean comment? The fact is that person's not happy with himself. It's sad, but it's true. And as soon as I interact with that person, I'm now making their problem my problem. But as soon as you realize that when people send you hateful stuff, it has nothing to do with you, everything to do with them. It helps you deescalate the situation in your own mind. And without that whole experience, I don't know if I ever would have gotten there. If I ever would have experienced that and ever understood that, if all that makes sense. Yeah, 100%. So you say go on. Yeah, go. And if if you're a hardcore conservative or a musician, just know it. They're probably going to villainize you. <laughs> if you're a musician. That's okay. You can handle it. Oh, that's great. Yeah. 
Oh, that's cool. No, I, I so much respect for people who stand up for what they believe in. Uh, love you for what you do, Garrett. Um, okay. So, uh, let's see, we got, uh, let's see. Okay. The last question, I think this is the last one. Wait, let me make sure. Yeah. Okay. This is the last question I have from the listeners. And this, I thought was such a great question. Um, and I want to save it for the end. So how do you, Garrett, stay true to yourself in your walk with Christ in the search for your future wife while being in the spotlight? Ooh, loaded question. Um, yeah. Um, so I like to, there, there's a couple, again, I'll try to keep it short. I'm a rambler <laughs> as you've experienced. Um, yeah. but well, we're already two hours. Deep, say, so as long as I'm not keeping you from getting to bed, you know, take your time. <laughs> uh, no, we're good, man. We're good. Um, so I actually have it written on my mirror in my bathroom. Uh, would you be happy dying as the man that you are today? So that's something I like to ask myself. Like if I were to die tomorrow, what regrets would I have right now about my life? And if I'm regretting it right now, then why haven't I fixed it? Um, also, I think it's safe to say as a younger person, we all can say that we were more innocent and probably um, better in some aspects. And so I like to kind of ask myself, okay, what would 18-year-old Garrett say about 29-year-old Garrett? Um, and that kind of helps me think about, okay, what am I like? What am I doing now? That's obviously kind of off the tracks or off the rails. I need to fix. Um, I would also say the last thing is like, if people watch me for a day, what would they say my idols would be? Would it be my cell phone or would it be God? Would would it be Xbox or watching TV or would it be like helping people? And those are kind of three questions that I ask myself. And also I mentioned earlier, like whenever I post something, I'm like, who am I posting this for? Is this for me? Like, what is my motivation behind this? Does this honor God? Does this honor the person that I want to be and represent the person that I want to be? And does this help people? Or am I posting this simply because I think it'll get a good like, you know? Um, that's why I think if you go back and look at my feed, you, you spot a trend of, Hey, this is where Garrett kind of lost himself. And this is where Garrett started posting stuff to try to help other people. I'd say it probably happened close to like November of last year. Um, and that's kind of what I do to ensure that I am. It's kind of like establishing a waypoint or a checkpoint when you're hiking, you know, not only are you supposed to spot this rock and turn right, but you also set a point down the road that, okay, if I hit this point, I know I'm like 20 yards off road. So it's kind of like a check for yourself to say, okay, am I on the right tra uh, trail or not? And so you have to kind of establish different things that are going on. That like, hey, if I do this, it means I'm probably not on the right track. Um, like going out with friends or something. Like I go out, I, I give myself like one night a week to have fun with friends if I'm going to go out or something. If it's more than that, then say, okay, let's reel it back. You know, this is our rule. We have to go by our rule. Let's not go anywhere close to where we are now right um i'm rambling now but it's all that makes sense <laughs> no keep going it's a lot it's a it lot all makes sense. it's yeah. a lot it's just it's just about the the most important thing that you can do and the bit the best thing you can do for yourself is become self-aware of your own bs if you aren't aware of the lies that you tell yourself then you never catch yourself when you tell yourself those lies 
Absolutely. I mean, I love Garrett. You're you could be a philosopher. I love your Instagram. Uh, you <laughs> you do the Q and A's on uh, Thursdays, and every time, like, first of all, I it's how I figure out it's a Thursday. I, I see you put the Q and A on there. I was like, oh, it's Thursday. Okay. <laughs> so you do the Q and A, and then I always I always learn interesting stuff. Um, like I remember one thing you're putting on there about how sleep is so important. And like, I actually took something that you had posted and I applied it to my own sleep habits. And that's just like making your room as dark as possible. So I started like putting up, I got some blackout curtains and I started making my room really dark. I sleep a lot better when I don't have light peeking into my room at 4am, 5am. Uh, so no, you're super wise. You have a lot of good stuff there, Garrett. Well, it's, it's, I'm just, I'm just regurgitating of what other people have told me. So it's, <laughs> right. you know, the past six months has definitely been like a very, a time in my life of self-discovery and learning as much as I can. And now I'm so hell bent on improving every day. You don't know the hours of videos I've watched from people just explaining <laughs> the stuff that, you know, I claim to know about, you know, so <laughs> I, that, that's all. What was that? You cut out for a second at the end there you can and you know if you have knowledge pass it on the best you can and try to help other people with it yeah jordan peterson for the win that guy's great yeah he's awesome <laughs> man he's awesome all right my question my last question for you is what is god teaching you right now how have you been growing and uh yeah that's my that's my final question for you patience um Cause there was a, uh, there was a time where a lot was up in the air, um, you know, with faith, finances, work, uh, had some family members with some health issues, you know, kind of was lost, didn't know what I wanted to do, where I was going to go kind of thing. Um, and you know, I took the right steps. I went to therapy, you know, I really, tried my very best to improve myself, but things just weren't getting better. And I'm a firm believer in like, if you, if, if you're a good person and you have corrected your wrongs and you apologize for them and you're taking the right steps and good things are going to happen to you, but they just weren't happening. And I didn't know when they were going to happen. And finally, like there were some people in my life that were not good for me and I got rid of them. And then right after that, like I got this new job that I have now that pays a lot more than my old job. You know, I, you know, sold my house for a pretty big profit. You know, I, my family health is doing a lot better. You know, my brother and his wife are doing great. My sister and her husband are doing great and nieces and just everything just got so much better so quickly. And it goes to show you that like, hey, like had I given up in February, I would not be able to reap what I had sown now. And so patience is the biggest thing. You just got to keep putting your head down. And no matter how bad things are, if you make the right moves, if you improve and just try to be a good human every day and take the right steps to get better, things are going to get better. It might take a little longer, but they're going to get better. So patience. Amen, brother. Amen. And that's uh, that's the truth right there. And it's, it's like you said, it's never going to get better overnight, but the best you can do is just, know God and get to know him better each and every day and trust him through all of yeah. that. I mean, 
I had, and uh, I can tell you more about this another time or, you know, off the record, whatever. I mean, we're pressed for time here and this isn't about me. This is about you. But uh, I did have um, health issues of my own. I had to have my thyroid taken out a couple of years ago. Uh, and I was okay. dealing with thyroid disease for three and a half, four years. And I graduated. I got really, all of a sudden just got really sick. I had no idea what was going on. Some before my senior year of college, I by God's grace, God brought me through my senior year of college. And then the next few years, I'd really say the next three years after I graduated, I was dealing with my thyroid and I did have surgery. I got it removed, it required a lot of patience. And one of the things for me also, I'd say is not comparing yourself to other people and keeping in mind that your timeline and the timeline God has for you is so different. And it can be very different from one that he has for someone else. We all, he has special and unique plans for each of us. And so for me, it was like, I spent the first three years out of college, not really doing anything and just watching other people and thinking like I was doing something wrong, but there was nothing I could have done differently. It's where God needed to have me. Um, patience is so important. It's so key. And then funny enough, I finally get healthy and the world doesn't. And the world shuts down. Uh, so then we go into lockdown. Uh, but we're finally back now. And we're finally uh, finally taking off here. Um, all glory there to God. Go. There we go. Yeah. Exactly, brother. Yeah. So, okay. That's our show for today, Garrett. So uh, before you leave, uh, how can people find you? What are you up to? And, uh, yeah, how can they get those golf lessons again? Anything else you want to promote? Yeah, so um, rgarrettp on Instagram is the only social media base I'm on. Um, uh, actually, I'm going to, I'm in the process of filming episodes to start a YouTube channel for self-development cool. too. Um, I also have one other project in the works, but don't want to speak too soon about it yet. But okay. uh, just thanks for having me on, man. It's always a pleasure. Yeah, always a pleasure. Okay, so... Uh, I'm grateful that you want to come, that you wanted to come back in the first place. Grateful you want to come on the first time. Uh, we had such a fun time today and, uh, whether or not we talk golf again this summer, I think that we definitely need to do something football related, either in the preseason or maybe when the season gets going. Cause I, I mean, the way that I am with baseball, that's you with football. That's me with football. Yeah, I can tell you everything. I can tell you everything, man. Just let me know. I'll be happy to come on, dude. All right. Thank you so much, Garrett. All right, y'all. It was great having Garrett Powell on the podcast here today. Such a great guy. Always a treat to talk with him. I feel like we always talk about... There's so many interesting things to talk about with Garrett. Just a great dude. I uh, love having him here. Hopefully, we have some more folks from The Bachelor. Uh, I, I guess I should say we will have more folks from the bachelor franchise on this podcast and here on my YouTube or Facebook or wherever it is that you're watching this. Uh, so I'm going to throw out my social media handles and also tell you where you guys can check out this podcast. So my uh, Facebook is facebook.com slash Jack Vita show at Jack Vita show on Twitter and Instagram and youtube.com slash Jack Vita. And then the Jack Vita Show is found wherever podcasts are listened to, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, a Stitcher, Google Pods, you name it. Uh, really, anywhere you listen to podcasts, you can listen to this podcast. Subscribe to the show. Please do. If you guys liked it, 
look, we had a great conversation with Dario from the challenge last week. Jordan Kimball was on Garrett was on already. Lots of great, uh, episodes, lots of great conversations about sports, reality, television, faith, entertainment, a number of things that I'm passionate about and I enjoy, um, talks about life and, uh, positivity. So if you guys like this show, please subscribe. And you can also log on to my website, jackvita.com. That's where all of my podcast content and written content. That's right. I write stuff as well over there on my site, jackvita.com. You don't want to miss out on it. Okay. I'll be back again, either later this week or early next week, recapping the week in sports guest is TBD, but I, I can tell you it'll be someone great. Uh, <laughs> we know that. So thank you all for listening. Until the next time you hear from me, I'm Jack Vita. Bring in the dance of the lobsters. <laughs> <laughs>